Happy Friday, theater lovers. This week's guest is Liz Walton. We chat about how she accidentally became an onstage polygamist, Rex's future theater career, her passion for purple, and much more. Liz is a riot. I wish you guys could see her facial expressions and mannerisms, although I'm sure you'll have almost as much fun listening as I did recording this interview. On with the show. Okay, now? (laughs) (laughs) If you hear crunching, it's my dog eating. It's not me. (laughs) Okay. For those who are listening, it's still funny. Okay. (laughs) Welcome, Liz Walton, to Sarnia Famous. For the second time, uh, (laughs) we've realized that I wasn't recording your audio so what the heck let's play a new a new one a new which one since we've already recorded one and the last one wasn't the best um not that this is much better (laughs) uh so so these cards from from brent he gifted them for the show's birthday so your options this time are have a mattress made of glass or eat cat food (laughs) or cat food yeah have a mattress made of glass or cat food cat food because then i'd be surrounded by cats okay i I like that okay speak my (laughs) language well done well done friend well done thank you brent for which one again okay so as we were talking about before you were just launching into Rex's future career as a um, as a furry little actor yes he um, he loves to perform he's only almost five months old come here baby come here no he's eating sorry <laughs> um, <laughs> the crunching <laughs> and he already knows little tricks like come sit, shake a paw off, and he likes to dance. So he likes to, um, he likes to have your attention at all times. Well, mine, anyway. <laughs> He's definitely a mama's boy. And this is Rex. What kind of breed is this little dog? He's a Yorkie. Oh, my goodness. He's so The newest, newest addition to our family. No, you don't want to do that on screen, honey. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He was like rolling. Oh, he was like rolling his little head towards you. Very much, you were saying a mama's boy oh, likes yeah. your attention. Oh my goodness! Now we're snuggling. So cute, so cute. Okay, and I have to take a moment. I just like love that your lipstick, your eyeshadow, and is it a your a sweater are all lovely shades of lavender. Yes, um, you can ask anybody in the th- or anybody in Sarnia. Actually, anybody in the theater community in Sarnia. Um, I am addicted to purple. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Almost everything I own is purple, or it has purple in it. Okay. So, is this a lifelong dedication to purple? This actually started, um, it was really funny, um, I was doing a play with um, Holly, um, oh my god. I'm just losing everybody's name. Um, we were, it was uh, Steel Magnolias. And the director, Bill, he, uh, and I can't remember his last name, he had us in different colors. He had the characters in different colors, and he had 
put me in purple. And that was it. I just fell in love with the, the color purple and everything, almost everything, like I said, I own is either purple or has purple in it. So purple in it. Oh, is there purple in the glass too? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. It's like a little flower on the side of the glass. So Steel mm -hmm. Magnolias was February 2007. So. Jeez. Wow, that long ago. Andrea Hughes-Coleman gave me this amazing spreadsheet and occasionally I don't know how to use it, but most of the time it is a very good resource. I realized I had a couple of interviews and I was like, oh, there's no data here for, for you. And the person would be like, well, there should be. I realized mm -hmm. I was at the bottom of the spreadsheet. So it looked like there was no data, but it was, oh, yeah. but I don't yeah. know what the heck I'm doing. But anyway, so, so that's Probably quite the winning. <laughs> I'm always impressed. No, please shout it out when it comes up. I'm always impressed when people remember names in general. I'm terrible. Yeah, there was um, Holly Wenning, Lisa O'Brien, Carissa Teske, uh, Joan Campbell Grant, myself, and um, Amy Mia and Joanne Rutherford, I believe her is. Amy and Joanne switched back and forth playing one of the characters. But uh, it was just, oh, it was one of the funniest roles I ever played. But being put in purple, every time I looked at myself in the mirror, I just loved it. And that was it. That, that started my addiction to purple. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so just not a color that you, you put on yourself prior to that? No, I, like I wore everything, like every other color before that. But now, it's, yeah, it's an, it's an addiction. My family keeps trying to get me to go to different colors. Like they'll buy me a different colored sweater for Christmas or something. Yeah. And it, it eventually goes to Goodwill or <laughs> uh, Village because I don't wear it. It's not my color. So when you were saying that was a fun role for you, I don't know that I'm going to be able to pronounce that. Ooh, I we, played Weezer. We, oh, okay. And so what about that role was enjoyable? Well, she was just the cranky old lady who <laughs> had the best lines. I'm telling you, she had the best lines. I think she had the best lines in the whole the whole play. You know, the, the one that came in and just, oh, my Lord, I have found it. I am in hell. <laughs> I still got the accent and everything. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, and, and that's so funny because with the accent, we were practicing the accent. And I would come home from rehearsal and I'd be talking to my husband. And he's just sitting there looking at me and going, what? Going, what, what what's that? <laughs> Make that stop. <laughs> didn't, you, yeah, didn't even realize that I was still talking in the accent. Too funny. So. Just so immersed in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love being on stage. Yeah. I was going to say, so you've got quite an extensive array of stuff. You've got directing and props and set and acting, but that's mm -hmm. where your heart is, is in the acting. Oh, part. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. But, you know, and it's funny, though, because sometimes I'll go see a play, and that's this is what got me into directing. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who thinks this. We'll go see a play and go, oh, you know, they... <laughs> They missed this, and that could have been a really funny line, and, oh, you know, I would have done it differently, blah, blah, blah. So finally someone said, do you want to direct? And I said, oh, I don't know. And I started off doing Minifest. We had um, Minifest, 
And it was just the one at play. And, you know, we would travel to different, there would be five or six different theater groups that would get together and we would all do the same play. And it was just absolutely fantastic to see how different everybody did the same play or how different the characters were, right? And it was just a fun weekend for theater people. That, that's all it was, it was just a big party and it was hilarious. And I loved it, absolutely loved it. And I directed, oh, I would say at least 10 mini fests and just had the time of my life. And I finally got my husband to go with me one year and he's going, that was so fun. And I said, I know, I know, I keep telling you. But um, then I was asked to direct a full length play and I did Kitchen Witches. And it's really hard when you love to be on stage mm -hmm. and you get an excellent script because you want to be in the play. You want to play one of the characters. You don't want to be directing it. But I had the most wonderful cast and crew for that play. And that was my, my full-length de directorial debut. And I just, it, it was fantastic. But we have such talented people in Sarnia Theater that uh, they made it easy for me. They did. I love the title of the play, but I am not familiar with it. Can you tell me the pr basic premise? Well, the premise is it's a cooking show. Uh, oh. And there's these two ladies that have basically grown up together, went to school together, who have become enemies because they now have uh, their own cooking show. And, the, of course, the, the ratings are dropping and things like that. So the, I don't know, guess you want to call a producer or whatever, has decided to put the two together. And the son of one of them is the MC or the announcer for the show, for the program. But in reality, he was the son of the one lady who gave him up for adoption and the other lady adopted him. Oh, boy. So um, it's just it's just a case of, the two of them bickering and trying to outdo each other with their food. And then, and the thing is, the fourth wall was gone. Mm. This is what I loved about it the most. The fourth wall was gone. So we incorporated the audience. They were our studio audience, mm. right? Because it was a television program. And then we had a contest where we would take one of our studio audience to sit and be part of this contest and we put a cape on them because we made a well they made a mess of it freaking hilarious it was hilarious and and i loved the concept that the fourth wall was gone yeah. and we incorporated the audience and they loved it too mm -hmm. they absolutely loved it too because when you're doing a play and that fourth wall is there is you're supposed to be letting the audience sort of spy on your life what's happening this way they were interacting they were lively <laughs> interacting like crazy it was wonderful it was wonderful yeah did you guys and advertise the play as that interactive piece or was it a surprise for the audience i i think it was a surprise like we we did our own um we made our own cookbook the cast and crew we had a party 
and we all made our favorite recipe. And we all wrote it down and put it in the cookbook. So we made a cookbook and we sold that. Um, we had contests uh, beforehand. But basically, when the people came in, we had ushers asking people, would they mind going up on stage? Mm. Um, do they have any food allergies? Because we didn't want somebody who had a oh God, can food you allergy to get up there. Oh, no. <laughs> That's why we didn't want that. And so they probably had an inkling that something was going to happen but I really really believe that the audience had just such a really good time because because they were part of it mm -hmm. you know instead of just watching they were part of it so yeah we had a really good time that sounds like a lot of fun especially if the ushers were um, ensuring that the people who would be involved directly audience wise were comfortable with it so it yes. was a bit of a surprise but like mm -hmm. you said, they had that inkling. And so no one was unnecessarily put on the spot and made to feel com uncomfortable. Right. Which would definitely yeah. benefit. Because we had, we had little forms filled out that if they wanted to be called up on stage. And what we did is we would take whoever said yes, they wanted to be called up, put it in a hat and drew a name. And they got to get called up on stage. There was a, there was a, a couple of times that we did have somebody of celebrity status, <laughs> so to say, come up on stage. But um, the majority of time, was, their name was drawn out of a hat. But, it, yeah, it was fun. It was just a, the whole thing was just fun. That does yeah. sound like a lot of fun and, and rare. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking about, I've, I've even back home, uh, used to go to the theater a lot. And I'm trying to think of times where... Like, I'm thinking I've seen a show two or three times a year for many, many years, and I can't readily think of a time where that third wall, or, you know what I mean, that that experience, the wall. Well, thank yeah. you, fourth wall, was removed and you were immersed in it. So that's a rarity and quite fun. Well, and, you know, I, and I've been in a couple of plays where I know the fourth wall is supposed to be there, but because of what either my character has said or done, the audience is laughing or, may, or hooting and hollering or whatever for a long period of time. Yeah. So I have to stand there and do something, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wait until they're done. But <laughs> like, um, yeah, like, even in Steel Magnolias, that was at one time uh, Weezer said something or did something and the audience just went nuts. The one play I did with um, Marnie Austin and... Uh, Kit McMillan and Ned Courtney looking um, I, it has to have been one of my favorite, favorite plays um, directed by late, our late Anthony Fracalanza, who's terribly missed. Yeah, I always called him my Anthony. That's another story I got to tell you how I met Anthony. But um, during rehearsal, he brought out these tall bar stools. Now, I'm five foot two on a good day <laughs> depends on what shoes I'm wearing um, I couldn't get on this stupid bar stool it was too hot and they're killing themselves laughing and Anthony says leave that in I just looked at him I said not a problem <laughs> I wasn't acting <laughs> this is my reality <laughs> well the audience was Crack every time I tried to get on that stupid bar stool, <laughs> the audience was cracking up laughing. 
And then one time, Marnie did something, and I, I accidentally sat on her shirt, and she went, or her sweater, and she went to walk away, and I almost fell off again. And I grabbed her, and we started laughing. Like, I mean, even rehearsal. We could not get through a rehearsal without laughing at each other. This is how funny this play was. And I've never, never broke character on stage in front of an audience. I did that night because I was laughing so hard. And I couldn't look at Marnie. And I was supposed to say something to her. And every time I looked at her, I was cracking up laughing. So I had my back to the audience. The audience is howling. We we had to have been at least five minutes. <laughs> How am I going to do this? <laughs> so we finally got <sighs> to get back into character. But that's the most wonderful thing about live theater is you have a different show every night, and it's absolutely unexpected what what anything can happen. Right? Yeah, for sure. So would you say then that comedy comes naturally to you, generally speaking? Well, apparently it does. <laughs> uh, I, I never knew until I was, was in theater that oh. I could do comedy, you know. And like, I mean, I, I had started with Sarnia Little Theater when I was 12. And um, of course, I got older and outgrew theater and and then got married, had kids, and my daughter was very into theater and um, acting and things like that. We were living in Calgary. She won Calgary's Junior Miss when she was 10. And when we moved back to Sarnia, and she was she had been in a couple of movies as an extra, one as a featured extra, and I got dragged into that. That's another story. But anyways, uh, by this time... <laughs> Yeah, there's, I got story. You want stories? I got stories. I can't write um, it down fast enough. Okay. <laughs> but um, by the time we moved back to Sarnia, um, my husband had noticed Theater Sarnia had an ad in the paper for Dick Whittington and his cat. I was going to ask was, you about that. Yay! Okay, go ahead. Sorry. This was 2002. So I took my daughter to audition she was 14 at the time, and Edie Poor asked me to get up and audition. I was sitting with the kids, right? I was having a great time with the kids. And I said, oh, no, no, like, I, I don't get on stage. I'm, I'm a backstage mom. She said, no, just, just do it for fun. Just do it for fun. So I got up there, and I read the script, right? And then at the end of the night, she said, and, um, oh, what was the character? I can't remember the character's well, name. Oh, I can no. tell you. Uh, Mrs. Widow Fitzwarren. Widow Fitzwarren will be played by Elizabeth Walden. Excuse me? <laughs> and I'm like, um, no. <laughs> She's going, yes. <laughs> Tiffany didn't get a part, my daughter. Oh. Yeah, she didn't talk to me for two weeks. <laughs> Shoot. She did. She was mad. <laughs> And, um, and I went to, so I, went, I thought, what the hell, I'll get into it, right? And I went to rehearsals and had the time of my life because it's not just community theater. We become family, too, mm. because we spend so much time together and we get to know each other. So I, I call it um, theater family, uh, you know, and, and we all do. 
And anyways, opening night, I was standing in the wings, could not remember one word of my lines. Could not remember the first word, could not remember anything, could not remember a line. I was terrified. I said, what the f am I doing? I can't do this. I can't do this. They said, you don't have a choice. It's opening night. We don't have stand-ins, right? They literally pushed me onto the stage. I got onto the stage and all of a sudden, boom, everything came oh, to me. Oh, my goodness. And I, we did the play. And at the end of the play, we got a standing ovation. And I went, oh, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the rest, they say, is history. <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. That paralysis, though, that stage paralysis where all of a sudden the lines that you've been studying and studying disappear is one of the scariest feelings. Uh, so I'm so glad that it just came back for you once you got out there. Oh, me too. Because <laughs> I didn't have the I was going to make something up because. Yeah, yeah. But it does happen. You know what? And it happens to everybody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll be in a in a play with new people and they get so upset with themselves because they can't remember a line. And I tell each and every one of them, we all do it. We all go through it like yeah. there, you know, and I found that there's always at least one line per play that just won't sink in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what. It, and if I do get it to sink in another one pops out i don't know maybe i just got too much stuff in there <laughs> i don't know the brain says but, no yeah no it's i do it for the fun i do it for the i i do it because and and like you said now that comedy comes naturally to me um <laughs> because i've been uh play, cast in a lot of com comedic roles um to see the audience laughing and enjoying themselves that that's what gives me the buzz you know that and the applause at the end yeah. oh yeah standing ovation doesn't hurt <laughs> no that's like the cherry on top yeah um so i frantically was writing notes down i calgary is my hometown that's why my oh I'm like, really oh, when you like a little fangirl it's like oh my gosh she said my hometown and then movie extra let's go back to that because that sounds pretty fun because you'd said oh, that you were a movie extra with your daughter. Was that in Calgary? Yeah. Um, she was in a movie, and it was called Children of Fortune hmm. with James Brolin, Michael Moriarty, and Virginia Madsen. And because she was only 10 years old, I had to be on set with her. Uh. And it was about um, uh, polygamists. So the way she was dressed was very plain with the long dress and the hair and the braid and blah 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 and apparently the way I was dressed and this is way before my purple stage um, was very plain because the director said at one point you're supposed to be over here and I said no I'm a mom and I'm on set because of my and he goes oh you're not one of the characters and I looked at myself and I'm going okay I guess I dress like a polygamist <laughs> But, um, it, like, I mean, it was just a a summer dress, a full-length summer dress, flat shoes and a sweater, right? And then at one time, he says, I need an extra wife. I need an extra wife. And he goes, you, hair and makeup. And I'm like, no, no, 
no, and you go, yeah, come on, I need just stand there and look worried. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> That's kind of funny. The universe just keeps kind of pushing you into it. Like I know. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, you're going to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my uh, introduction to being an extra in films. So. Was she mad at you for that one or because you're... No, she was it? laughing because she knew how terrified I was. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so back, I'm jumping all over the place. I'm trying to read my own notes. Um, back to Dick Whittington and his cat, because I was looking through, and you've got so much great stuff. And, of course, being the crazy cat lady that I am, when I saw that title of the show, I was like, oh, I have to ask about that show. What is oh, don't, don't. Oh. oh. <laughs> that was over 20 years ago. Oh, no, I'm okay, okay. Years old. I don't, I know um, Adam Hobbs played Dick. See, you're kind of questioning yourself and your memory, and meanwhile, you're here listing <laughs> well, all of these people that, like... Because, like I said, they become family, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't forget your family. I mean, I, I mean, do forget... sometimes. Like, I forget people's <laughs> names all the time. Oh, my god. Well, goodness. that's okay. I call my son Rex, and I call my <laughs> dog my son's name, so... <laughs> Too funny. But, um... I can't. The premise of Dick Whittington and his cat is, I really can't remember. I think he's going to London to meet the mayor for some reason or other. It's, I, I really couldn't tell you what okay. the premise. Because, because not only that, I was absolutely terrified every time I was on stage that I wasn't following the play. <laughs> Fair enough. I think what I'm, if I'm honest with you and myself, I want to know if there was a cat on the stage. That's no. Okay. Well, that's disappointing. But, I mean, getting a, a dog on the stage is probably a lot more feasible it's than... It's easier. Cause cats do what they want. You can't... You, know, you Oh, they can make you think you've trained them. <laughs> <laughs> but they've trained you. That's the reality of that yeah. situation. So then, uh, Sarnia Little Theatre. Maybe I'm going back in time again too much, but it just... Little theater. Yeah, I was 12 so years old. 12 years old. So were you a, a, like a dramatic kid? Well, I, I played um, the smart pig who built her house out of bricks at, um, when we did the three little pigs. And we were doing like a, you know how they have the outside markets in uh, Centennial Park? And we were, we had a booth and I played a doll, and I had a wind-up key in my back, and I had to stand like this without blinking until somebody wow. wound my key. I think it was 14 when I did that, 13 or 14 when I did that. And it was in the newspaper. That was my first time ever being in a newspaper. I was so big-headed. <laughs> That's not where I, I thought a, that was going to go. celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no. Um, and then, as I said, um, got older and interested in other things and uh, left theater for a while. And I just, I never thought I'd ever get back into it. But, you know, the, the world and the universe have a, has a way of getting you to where you need to be. Coercing so. you, yeah. Yeah. So then, um, this is always a fun question, mostly for me. 
you've had lots of experience in terms of um, roles. Is there a role that you'd want to revisit or an ideal role you haven't had the chance to do yet? Oh, yeah. I would love to be able to do Dixie Swim Club. I guess it's not called Dixie Swim Club anymore, but um, I would love to be able to do that or um, take off from that. That was directed by Jan Holt, uh, Walker Holt. Um, she was, she's phenomenal. The one role I would love to do is Mama Morton in Chicago. Ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. That's yeah. a good, that's a good one. But I don't, I, I don't think I sing high enough. This, this voice don't go that high. <laughs> I feel like you could, you could tailor it to your own voice. Um, I think that would be, I don't know. I pictured that voice, that song a little bit lower. Maybe it's just my imagination, but yeah, that would be a fun, well, fun role. I did, um, uh, I played Marilla in uh, Anna Green Gables, both through Sarnia and Petrolia. And Petrolia was the musical. And uh, I, when I got that part, I was a little shocked, but they did, they tailored it for, for my voice, so it, it worked out. But yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of roles and a lot of directors I would love to, to uh, work with, but I think Mama Morton would be my most favorite. But I don't, on the usual, I don't do musicals <laughs> because of my voice. <laughs> I think you have a fantastic, like, very unique sounding voice that would be an advantage. I mean, I, I can't sing and I'm not a director and I have limited experience, but to me, it sounds like it would be, <laughs> be great. Um, well, I've been told I've got an excellent face and voice for radio. <laughs> but my absolute favorite role was um, Marjorie in Willow Quartet. And I won the uh, supporting actress oh, for that in um, festival. So, so. You, for those who are listening, I just got to view the award. Was it the uh, theater faces that I was seeing? Like the happy? Yeah. Yeah. Sad. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, that's beautiful. And what was the, what was the award again? It was the Ann Wilson Award for Best Supporting Actress. Dang. Yeah. Not no, too I... shabby. <laughs> so any other roles? maybe in the future or is there a show that you would like to direct and you wouldn't have that that FOMO of not being on the stage one that you could no no <laughs> without hesitation no <laughs> so it's uh, I always and and when I'm directing like every director has a vision of what that script looks like in their mind and for me, I have a vision of what it looks like, but I know how I would play that character, and I try to bring that out of my cast with allowing them to be themselves as well, because, you know, they have to bring what they bring. That's why they're cast to the character. But, yeah, no, because there are so many plays that are so good that, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I'm with you. Uh, for a start, directing is terrifying to me, and my brain doesn't work like that. 
And I, I think that I would have the problem of wanting to jump up onto the stage and be like, no, 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 do it like this. I will show you how it's done. That'd be very yeah, challenging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was directing Kitchen Witches, Jay Peckham was my mentor, my assistant director. He, because um, in, I guess back then, you you had to have the experience of directing, and I did the one acts, the the mini fests, but it, it was also very good to have someone who was a director that did full length plays by your side to, to help you. He's an awesome director, by the way. He is. Have you? I think you've um, interviewed him. Yeah. Oh yeah. He Jay was Pen my first. He uh, very first. very creepily at the uh, Sarnia famous first birthday party. He kept saying to me, just remember, I'm your first, or I was your first, or something like that. And his wife Yeah, was, that sounds like Jake. Yeah, and his wife was like, she, he can't even say that to me. Um, but yeah, he was the first person on my show. Now that was the first, yeah, that was the first one I watched, So because it was the first one. Anyway, um, yeah, he's phenomenal. And he helped me a lot. But that instinct to go, that's not you know and i don't and i kept saying am i not speaking english am i not getting this across am i saying it wrong you know and jay would say you have to stop you can't just go oh i want this you have to stop think about what you want and how is that because everybody um receives information differently and you can say the same thing to two different people and they'll tell you two different stories mm -hmm. right so you have to think how does that cast member or that actor receive their information, you have to think about how you're going to put it into words that they'll get. Mm -hmm. But that that instinct to get up there and go, no, I want you to, I, and I have to be honest, I did do that a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, how could you not? It would, it would be so Because if they're not getting it, you know, it's, because being an actress, like I said, if I don't have a script, <laughs> I'm lost. But to express myself properly, to get try and get the point across, I get frustrated, and then it just doesn't work. So it's better for me to show you mm -hmm. how I want it done, right? So anyway, but you, you got to try not to do that. Let yeah. Them, it, let them put their own flair to it. That's so challenging. Um, so on the note of scripts, uh, do you find learning lines easy? Depends on how many lines I have. But I have spoken to numerous um, actors with tons of experience, and I've learned from them. And we all have our own way of learning our lines. I take one line and memorize it, and then take that line and the second line and memorize it. And I say it three times, and then I, then I start saying everything out loud. And, and then sometimes what uh, I'll do is I'll... Um, and my voice memos is I'll read out loud the other person's lines so that I have to, I know what my cue mm -hmm. words are and I have to uh, respond to that. So, so it's, it's different for everybody how they learn. So you yeah. internally learn the lines before you start practicing them out loud. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Uh, I, tend to I, I can't learn them unless I say them out loud 
if I'm just reading oh. them. It doesn't seem mm-hmm. to stick the same way as if I just automatically start reading it out loud. It's funny how it's so different for everybody, hey? Like, there yeah, are some, and like, are some people write them out. You know, yeah. I'm too lazy for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, like, uh, really? I don't have any time. <laughs> no. The only time I write out my lines is if I have to say it with an accent. Oh. What? So then I write it out as if it's because oh, when like we phonetically. did um, Lost in Yonkers, I had to have a German accent. Oh, my goodness. So my daughter-in-law's grandmother is German, so I had her read my lines, and I wrote them as she was saying them. So that's how I that's developed a German that's super smart. And how, how flippin' handy that there just happened to be a German person in proximity. Uh, that that happened to be. <laughs> Too funny. Um, so we're already, I can't even believe how quickly it always goes, uh, but we're at that spontaneous combustion threshold. And I really wanted to hear more. You were briefly telling me about um, involvement with the Petrolia Feral Yeah, it's called the um, Caregivers of the Petrolia Ferals, and they're a cat rescue, um, and there's in Petrolia, and there's another one, Pearls, and they're a cat rescue in Sombra, and what I do is I, my son and I, we foster the kittens or the cats that are captured, you know, and and then there, there are certain colonies that cannot be homed or, you know, uh, or rehomed because they're that feral. Mm-hmm. But if we can get a mom and their kittens, we will foster them until the kittens are old enough to be adopted and we socialize the kittens. And then we make sure that they all get spayed or neutered so that, because it, the cat population is just unbelievable. There's just too many, too many. And there's too many that are living outside. In, and it, this last week, alone the cats that we've lost Mm. due to illness or injury because of the weather and some some cats are are just dumped because they're not wanted anymore you know like it's just it's not fair to them they're innocent creatures and you know so we we do what we can you know yeah I don't want to start sobbing. Ugh, I'm definitely a, a bleeding heart. We, when I first moved out here, where I come from, we get winter that kills everything. Like there's nothing that can live because it is cold. Whereas here, it's winter, but they can still get through it. And so I had never seen that many cats. It was like Candyland for a crazy cat lady. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I started feeding them. I started leaving food out in our backyard. And what ended up happening was I also started feeding a raccoon and a possum and a family of skunks. Thanks. And my husband was like, we we can't do this anymore. You have to stop. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you've got to stop doing this. All the wildlife in our yard. Um, yeah. But, so how do you, how, how do you, um, oh gosh, I can't even find my words fostering how do you do it i would find it so challenging to to love foster them. and not keep them and then thank you for helping me speak yeah. yes 
<laughs> well, two reasons. Number one was my husband said, foster, foster, <laughs> foster. But I look at it as I get really attached to these animals. But we um, are still a part of their story when they go to be adopted or they get adopted. And then once they are adopted, I can foster more kittens or cats that need a, a forever home. And uh, that way I get new cats every few months. <laughs> so my husband did not realize what he was getting into when he said, yes, you can do this. <laughs> he thought there was more of an end in sight with the foster. Yeah, once I fostered them, that was it. No. <laughs> Um, well, that, for, on a personal note, if there's ever stuff that you need, please let me know, like if it's food or anything like that. Yeah, because uh, they, they both, both Pearls and caregivers of Petrolia Ferals, they, they run on donations. Okay. That's totally, they don't have any government money, they don't have any grants, they don't have anything. It's totally donations. Um, and in order to get them vetted, and get their shots and get them spayed and neutered we're paying out of our own pockets mm. like you know where they are if i'm fostering i will pay myself like i don't ask them for anything but they're you know and um pet value i think it's pet value that's on lake shore i'm not Something sure like why is my mind going blank yeah. Pet um, anyways, they are phenomenal for donating food, oh, both good. dry and wet food. Oh, good. They're oh, and and other stuff that that they need. They're they're just the owners of that store are just phenomenal. Absolutely great. But yeah, they it all runs on donations. So uh, obviously, monetary donations, food donations. Food, um, toys, anything, yeah. Okay. Because when you're socializing them, you want them to be able to play with toys play. as well, right? Yeah. Huh. Okay, good to know. Um, so that is all we have time for today. I'm so extremely grateful that you could make the time for me in, in this little show. Oh, well, thank you so much, Dallas. I, I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> So you're making me blush. Uh, so you're flattered. Okay, there's a psycho we could go down for a little while. Anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for um, for everything. Okay. Well, thank you for what you do. Like, I mean, and, you know, and, and getting this out there and, and letting the normal, normal person. <laughs> like, it's always the commercials kill me, right? <laughs> These people are actors, you know. They're not real people. These are actors. And wait a minute, actors oh, are real up. people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the non-actors to to be able to look inside our, our stories. That's uh that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. Okay. Bringing awareness to the <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a great journey for me as well. Thank you so much. Uh, have a great afternoon. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Okay, kids, that's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.